Hey guys, if you really like this episode, please support our podcast by going to talkmurder.com slash join and becoming a Talco Supremo. So I've been wanting to do this case for a very long time. And if you guys know, we live right down the street from where this happened in 2015. It's a very horrific event. And in this episode, I not only want to go through what actually happened, but I want to probe inside the mind of a young white supremacist so filled with hatred that he carried out one of the worst mass killings and hate crimes in this nation's history. Thank you. You're welcome. That was very enthusiastic. I'm so happy to be here. It's just exciting to get onto the mic and have a delicious looking cocktail in front of us, Jen. I'm scared. The hint for tonight was bowl cut. <laughs> oh, and I don't know about this. It, honestly, it oh. tastes a little bit like the um, um, juice smoothie, green smoothies that I used to make. The hint tonight was bowl cut, and as a former bowl cut survivor. No, you had a bowl cut? Oh, I had terrible haircuts as a child. Yes. I'll put the picture if we can find it on the I website. I have plenty. Do you really? Yeah. Oh, that would be really good. One. We'll put them on the forum. Uh, well, my sister called it a phase where I had a boy haircut because my mom cut my hair. Not she. She made me got a haircut because i used to chew on my hair which actually um for those of you who don't know is um a sign of anxiety in children Hmm. um so i mean obviously i didn't know that and she didn't know that back then but i had a boy haircut for most of my childhood it was embarrassing it did not help that i hated to dress up and like wore boys clothes so i looked like a, a boy for for most of my childhood this just reminds me of once i was on a, a recently i was on a plane and some woman had a fetish of pulling out her hair trichotillomania oh it's in the dsm the freaked me out i was like what is she doing uh. is she like braiding her hair she would go like this oh. and then just yank it out at the very root and kept on doing it it's, and i was like oh my god Ow. she has bald spots under her hair trichotillomania is a related um disorder to obsessive compulsive disorder actually oh it freaked me out so much i have that same thing but with my pubic hair <laughs> oh my god ouch this is even more painful and my booty hair <laughs> moving on so since the hit was bowl cut like ha- there's only one way to fix having a bowl cut and that is going to a beauty salon or a spa so the cocktail tonight is spa treatment and it, it does taste like I'm drinking a, a face yeah, mask a little bit. It, does. <laughs> it looks it looks like a face mask. It tastes like a face mask. The, the I actually inst- like it. I think it tastes really healthy. The first instruct that's not that's not encouraging. I haven't tasted it yet. What but- is it exactly in it besides cucumbers? Cucumber, lime. Oh, that's not terrible. Grapefruit juice, ginger beer. I think you put too much liquor beer. in it. It's really strong. In three ounces of vodka. I actually don't think it's that strong. No, I, it's not bad. Um... Oh, I think it's delicious, but it, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not like a podcasting not, yeah. drink. I feel like I should go drink this and then go on it's like a drunken run. It's not You don't think it's, it's refreshing? No. It's not like a, it's a nice refreshing. Jack and Coke on the rocks or something. Well, we can do that once we finish these. I like it. 
so, feel like I should go work out after this. I do have to say I was a little concerned that the first instruction of this was to juice a cucumber. <laughs> Which none of us know how to do. Have, has anyone ever juiced a cucumber before? I mean, with a juicer, but other than that, no. It wanted you to, it wanted me to like chop it up and like squeeze it, and I, I was like, "Fuck I need that! To That's get, way like, too much work." I need so to get I just one of those, put it in like, the mortar, neutral blender. What are they called? Mortar so and pe- pestle, pestles, mortar, pestle. The actual thing, like, how are you supposed to make real uh, guacamole? Mortar and pestle. I don't know. Right. It told me to muddle it. But that's like the same thing. Yeah, but we didn't. We don't have one of those. I know. I'm saying I should. Get so one. I used the end of a vegetable peeler. And Why did you take a, that big hammer that you beat the steaks with and just? Oh, the tenderizer. It. Because yeah. I didn't think about that. That's okay. So it's it's not terrible. I'd like give it. it like a f- five out of ten, maybe. A five tacos out of ten. I'm not really excited to eat the cucumber hanging off the side of it. Why? Because, I mean, it's not like a piece of bacon. It's a, literally a cucumber. So? It could literally sit there. I don't care about it. It could it's sit there all vegetable. night. I wouldn't care about it. A, veg- a vegetable. I don't know why I like saying vegetable because sometimes, you know, who is it that pronounces their views as W's? No, it's backwards. Some people pronounce their W's as V's. Germans? Yeah. Hey, everyone. If you follow our social media pages, you'll know that we got some brand new stickers just for Supremos, though. So it's part of the new uh, Supremo sticker pack. They are – it's the original Creeper Van logo. It says TM2M podcast and then hashtag Taco Supremo. If you are already a Supremo, make sure you uh, comment on – the Facebook post and tell me that you want one or tell me somehow that you want one and I'll send one right out. For our new Supremos, it's a little added bonus just for you. So go to talkmore.com slash join to get one today. Limited supply. I only printed 50 and that's all I'm going to print. So there you go. Bada boom. Bibi bong. <laughs> so we finally stocked up on some unique surprise shots. Yeah, we went to the liquor store all together for the first time. In a very long time. In a very long time. And um, tonight is my pick. It's funny. When we go together, we we all have to separate and one person goes up to the counter at a time. They probably thought we were really fucking sketchy because yeah. all we bought were three <laughs> nips. Well, each. yeah. So so you bought <laughs> yeah, yours. He knows we do a podcast. Does well, he? Yeah, yeah. You bought yours. John bought his. And then I went up to mine and I picked out... Um, I picked one out, and he was like, oh, he just bought three of these. And I was like, don't tell me that. He's like, well, why? They're good. I was like, because I can't know what he bought. Like, we do a podcast. He's like, oh, yeah, that's you guys. I was like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But um, Getting famous. Yeah. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. Ooh, that's grape. Is that 99 Bananas grape? It is. Oh. Oh. Oh shit! Wow. Oh. that's like adult goofy grape cop. No chasers. Whoa, whoa, that's what, is, what kind of liquor is that? Ninety-nine proof know, liquor. What? What is it? Oh, I got the tears rum? in my eyes. Uh, I have no idea. Schnapps. I used to love goofy grape cop medicine. I thought it was so good. So that was like a treat for me. I kind of cleared my sinuses for a second. You know, today I've been so congested. I can't hear anything. Could be I can't Hello? Can you hear me now? Dad? 
I literally felt like I was submerged underwater at work today. It was That's awful. weird. Tonight's hint for this episode was bowl cut, and I could not have picked a better hint. So, Jen, where are we going and who are we killing? Are we going to Wisconsin to cover Jeffrey Dahmer? I don't know. Is that your guess? Yes. Hmm, I didn't know he had a bowl cut. Um, I'm going to say we're going to Connecticut, and Ooh. we are going to a seemingly picture-perfect picture family where the little boy who is murdered has a bowl cut. Are we both wrong? No, those are normal guesses. Average? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's some of the craziest guesses that... I remember once she said there was a saucer dish killer that was killing people with saucer dishes. <laughs> Throwing them like blades. Yes, 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 yes. And that, that ended up being um, the uh, Golden State Killer the, Those guesses tonight, the guesses tonight were just completely normal. <laughs> For us, you mean? Yeah, like you guys bizarre? must have no... Uh, all right, so if you follow our social media pages, Facebook or Instagram... We're you fucking may, terrible at guessing. <laughs> you, yeah, they're terrible at guessing. But you may have gotten the, the story right off the hint. It's a fantastic hint. So you're uh-huh. welcome. Are you guys Charlotte, ready? did you are you gonna get this one right this time? Hmm? Hmm? TBD. Yeah, shout TBD. out to Charlotte uh for getting her last one right. We put her on the air. Also, I wanna say uh we have a good conversation going on over at talkmar.com on the Vegas episode. Mm-hmm. One of our talk host primos, Megan, she has been doing a lot of research into the legalities of the MGM case, and she knows far more than I do at this point. So I told her I would funnel people over there to the blog post so you can read what she has to say. She has really read up on her stuff, and she definitely needs to become an attorney because she's very smart. Go, Megan. Thank you so much for all the commentary. Thanks for all that research, Megan. And, and again, another shout out to our Taco Supremo who recommended her story. A, yeah, oh, asked yeah. us to tell her story. Yes. So, where are we going? Who are we going, John? All right. All right. So this story is not a Taco special per se, dedicated to someone because I've been wanting to do this story myself. But I do want yes. to give a big shout out to Whitney, our Taco Supremo, Whitney. who. Posted. And thank you so much for Whitney. recommending this story for us to do. So tonight, guys, the hint was bowl cut. It's a fantastic hint. I could not have picked a better one. We are going to the Emmanuel African Methodist <gasps> Episcopal oh. Church located at 110 Calhoun Street in, in Charleston, Charleston, South Carolina. Oh. We are covering the Dylan Roof oh. mass killing oh, wow. in the African American church. And I did a lot of research on this. And this story has always interested me. Is a very horrendous event that took place here right down the road from us. Yeah. Right here, probably less than 10 miles. So Dylan Roof has a bowl cut? Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Dylan or Roof. does, rather. Yeah, Dylan Roof has a is bowl he, cut. Is he alive? Or I thought he, He's alive. He was sentenced to death. He's alive, yeah. But he was a beat. He got the shit kicked out of him. Good. Prison, right? Yeah. Like, to yeah. a pulp. Right? Yeah. Um, to, I, a, to a cucumber pulp. <laughs> okay, so what do you guys know about this story? Well, uh, it happened... Uh, was it 2016, 2017? 2015. This is the four-year anniversary coming up next week is Mm. one reason I really wanted to cover this now. Uh, So the four-year anniversary is coming up. 
I have found it found the church recently, but when I first moved down here, I was trying to find I couldn't I, I didn't I wasn't like actively seeking it but every church that i would drive by i was like is this the church is this yeah church? i do that too because there was over by the citadel there's a big mural that says charleston strong and it has like doves on it so it kind of threw me off because it's not the church is not near that mural so i was very confused at it's, first as to where it's on the opposite end of marion square yeah, right exactly so we're going to talk about a lot of stuff mm. tonight we're going to go through what actually happened. We're going to go through his background. We're also going to dive in the world of white supremacy. Hmm. So we're going to June 17th, 2015. This is a Wednesday. I remember mm-hmm. hearing about this. I was at work and I was sitting at my desk for once because I never actually got a chance to sit down really. But I was at my desk and I saw, I remember thinking like, who would go into a church and shoot it up? Like what? I just I had no understanding. And this was when you were still in Massachusetts. In Massachusetts, yeah. Um, I was I was also at work, but here in Charleston, and I was asked to go to our different campus up in North Charleston. We have a or had a call center up in the North Charleston area where we had a larger African American community. Um, So I was asked to just go walk around, take a pulse of how. If anyone was impacted, deal with, you know, any instances that came up if somebody knew someone who was impacted by this. And I remember distinctly, once they found out who the killer was, having to search our employment files to see if he ever worked here at our company as a contractor, because we're a huge employer in the Charleston area. He's not smart enough Um, to work there. (laughs) He is not, um, but there was someone I remember with the same last name. We're like, oh, my God, what is this? (laughs) Wasn't wasn't any sort of relation. And then it was a really big deal globally. I had friends from um, when I used to live in Belgium. Some friends reached out and asked if if I was okay and if I was impacted by it. Um, But I remember what feeling like what made the Charleston shooting different from a lot was that you, people were really brought together by the shooting, mm-hmm. and that was a really beautiful thing living here. Dylan Roof's actually from Eastover. Eastover. Where's yeah. Eastover? Eastover is where I used to work when I was in the National Guard. That's where uh, the big ah. National Guard base is over there. Okay. He wasn't in the National Guard, was he? No, no, he, no he wasn't. This this kid, this kid, I mean, this kid dropped out of high school. He got his GED. He, dro- he dropped out of high school twice, got his GED. This story does not reflect charleston at all this charleston's not like this he's not even from charleston he's from eastover he just came down to charleston to commit this act so don't think charleston's like this since i live here it's not no it's the number one city to live in the world yeah and consecutive consecutively like it's consistently on the top (laughs) like fifth year in a row yeah Yeah. friendliest city in america um, I love it. I would, yeah. There's truly nowhere else I would rather live. All right. So this is the Dylan Storm Roof case. Storm's his middle name. Storm. Storm. Yeah. Oh. Well, there you go. That's the first problem. The Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, located at 110 Calhoun Street. This is June 17, 2015. So we are coming up on the four-year anniversary. Uh, our hearts go out to all the victims. How many victims do you think there were? I think it was like eight. I don't remember. There were 
nine victims, nine people that were killed during the event. There were 12 in the church. This was approximately at 8 o'clock. So he actually enters the church at 8.06. This is p.m., right? P.m., yes. This wasn't a church service. It was a prayer slash Bible study service. Now, a little bit about this church is the Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal Church, predominantly, most likely 100% African American. Mm-hmm. But it, I have heard that it's very welcoming, though. Like, yeah. it was, it's a, the, this particular church is a beautiful building. It's a staple mm-hmm. of Charleston downtown. Yeah. And in fact, I'm glad you brought that up because they actually welcomed him in as well. The, uh, oh. the, act, the se- senior pastor gave him a brochure and then sat down beside him because Dylan Roof didn't just walk in and start shooting. He was actually there for about 45 minutes, and he participated in (gasps) the service. I don't remember that. Yeah. That makes it even worse. But I do remember one of my classes, one of my professors who's who's lived in Charleston a majority of his life, he he said, you know, when when we heard about it, we didn't think of it as the American... You know the Mother Emmanuel American African Methodist Episcopal Church. We thought, I mean, they call it Mother. That's the that's the nickname of the church, Mother. Yeah, yeah that's mm-hmm. true. On their so, YouTube channel, it's I think Mother Church or something like that. Yep. So it's a it is a huge part of of Charleston culture. Um, yeah. Let me do a quick run through of the entire case just to get you guys orientated on where we're going. Orientated. Yeah. Is that a word? Oriented. Orientated. All right. So. It's in Charleston, Dylan Stormroof. He was a, he just turned twenty one. He was a neo Nazi white supremacist. He walked into a very historic downtown church in Charleston, South Carolina. He opened fire with a Glock forty five, and he killed nine people. And then he left the church, and he was caught in Shelby, North Carolina, when he was attempting to drive to Tennessee. And now he is on death row. And he is awaiting to be executed in Indiana. He's sitting in death row in Indiana. Huh. Okay, so Dylan Roof didn't just go in there and start shooting. He actually sat down with the victims, which is even God. more screwed up. It's really fucked up. It's like he was building a connection with them before he killed them. How long? How long were you at the church before you actually uh, before you you pulled your weapon out? And you you said yourself you shot you think maybe five or so people. How long were you were you at the church before you decided that you were going to do that? Well, I just went in the church, you know, and then I sat down with them for like maybe 15 minutes. 15 minutes? It could have been 20, it could have been 10, but I think it was probably around 15. Were they having a meeting or something? Or? No, 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 this was a Bible study class. So you knew the Bible study class was going to happen? Yes, because I had went there before and asked them. Okay, so you've been to the church before? Well, not in it. But outside, you said, when do you have Bible study? Or? Well, yeah, I just saw somebody get into their car and ask them. When? Okay, so. Ugh. Do you think he, did he plan this church it then? Sounds or was like he just it. picking somewhere in Charleston? Okay, so, well, we'll get to that. But from the interview that he gave with the two FBI agents here, they asked him, did you specifically plan this church, like you just said? And he said he just likes Charleston. He's been to Charleston plenty of times, got plenty of pictures from all the plantations here. 
Hmm. He just likes Charleston. That's what that's his exact. Everybody words. likes Charleston, but that doesn't exactly. mean you gotta shoot it up, and asshole. Because they asked him, well, there's especially in Eastover where he lives, there's plenty. I mean, mm-hmm. the, most of Eastover is African American. There's plenty of churches that are full African American. So to come here, you know Well, I guess it would probably make the news more if it was in a bigger city, yeah. you know, if you, prominent yeah. city. I, we have literally listened to maybe 30 seconds of this interview, and my blood is already boiling. Like, I'm already, I already am, I just can't, I just, I just can't even, I can't even think, rationalize. And we're not supposed to rationalize, but I can't understand why anyone would shoot up. It's evil. It, yeah, evil, pure evil. So the victims in this story, there were nine total that were killed. There was one injured. Um, So three survived. But eight people were killed right off the bat. One died at the hospital. What I'm reading from right now is Dylan Roof's federal indictment. So as I'll get to, Dylan Roof was the first person and is the only person to have been sentenced to death both in the federal and state courts. Wow. Okay, not only that, he is also the first person to ever be sentenced to death from a hate crime. Hmm. Okay, so this is a hate crime. Yes. 100%. So the people that were killed include the senior pastor, a state senator, Clementa C. Pickney, which is the one that welcomed Dylan Roof into the service, gave him a brochure, and then sat down beside him. Now, you got to keep in mind, there was there was 12 people in this service. It was a Bible study. It wasn't a full-blown sermon. And one lone white male, and they are very welcoming, walks into the church, and they still welcomed him because it's a church— no matter what your religious beliefs are, they are there for love. They are there for prayer and forgiveness. So the fact that they let him sit there, now I know it's a welcoming church, but if you see Dylan Roof, I mean, he looks like he does not belong in that church. Mm-hmm. The fact that they let him sit there tells you something about this these people of course these parishioners very welcoming and yeah, that's, very welcoming that's a sign of what all of charleston is and symbolizes people are just yes good, good people here they'll smile at you i was out in the freaking garden before we were recording trying to plant some things and the few people who walked by said it's looking great like i love the flowers people are just freaking nice here and that's awesome Yeah, so this is from the federal indictment. On the evening of June 17, 2015, African-American parishioners at Emmanuel AME Church were participating in a religious worship and Bible study group led by Reverend Clementa Pinckney, Pinckney, a 41-year-old African-American man, and attended by Reverend Sharonda Coleman Singleton, a 45-year-old African-American woman. Cynthia Hurd is a 54-year-old African-American woman. Susie Jackson, an 87-year-old. Ethel Lee, 71, or excuse me, Ethel Lee was 70. Reverend DePayne Middleton Doctor, a 49-year-old. Twanza Sanders, a 26-year-old. 
Reverend Daniel Simmons, Sr., a 74-year-old. Polly Shepard, a 70-year-old. Now, Polly Shepard, you're actually going to be hearing from her because she survived. She was under the table, and Dylan Roof decided not to kill her and instead told her some very racially hateful statements and basically told her to tell his story. Huh. And also Mira Thompson, a 59-year-old. You know what's also, like, one of the worst parts about this is that some of his victims not only had to suffer at the hands of a white supremacist who hated people of of their race, but they also had to live through the the civil rights era, like, where they had to live through in the South Mm, when— That's an interesting point. When, um, you know— before the mm-hmm. Civil Rights Act was, was signed. The video we're watching now is the people coming into church service. This is before 8 p.m. Mm-hmm. This is Dylan Roof's car. It's a 2000-ish Hyundai Elantra. It's black in color, and it pulls up right into the front spot, and you see him getting out. Now, he doesn't have his gun in his hand. The reason this mm-hmm. hint is so great is because the bowl cut will come up. We'll be talking a lot about the haircut in general. Huh. Now, um, it's a big thing. A lot of people don't know, but it is a huge thing. So the bowl cut is a big thing. But this is him walking into the church. Now, he doesn't have his gun in his hand. If you see this little black thing hanging from his shoulder down to his hip, that is a bag that he bought at, like, Sportsman's Warehouse or one of those outdoor stores. That had his forty-five caliber Glock in the bag along with his magazines. This is a cell phone video of him in the church. Someone was taking a picture or video of the Bible study to share, and this is him in the Bible study. So he is sitting down with the rest of the parishioners and participating in the activities. And after the shooting, this is him walking out. You see, he looks around. He'll say in the interview that... He was looking around because he fired so many bullets that he was sure oh, that there were cops outside. He has blood all over his shirt. He's got blood on his shirt. He doesn't have the bag anymore. He dropped the bag, and he's got the Glock in his right hand. The bag's there. I dropped it. Yeah, you dropped it. It was bag. a black black. Look, it was like a thing you could buy a sporting goods thing, you know, for military people to hook on their whatever, their vest or whatever. But I just put it in my belt. And I had all my magazines and the gun in there. When I walked in the church, this thing was right on me, in front of me, you know. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to see it, you know. And obviously they did, because, I mean, this thing is big, it's heavy, uh-huh. you know, because it's got, what, seven magazines, and I put 11 bullets in each magazine. They can hold their team, but I didn't want to jam, like it to jam or anything like that. So, you know, but anyway, it's still really heavy. Anyway, they saw it, but I just sat down because I guess they just didn't say anything. Now, there was one survivor. Her name was Polly Shepard. This is her interview from CNN. I had faith. That's why I'm still here. I prayed under that table, and he left me here. The gunman told Polly Shepard he would let her live. She was one of five people to survive the massacre one year ago. CNN was given rare access inside that Bible study room, and I spoke exclusively to those 
left behind. This was the room. This, this is, is where room. he came. This yes. is where people were seated yes. around the table. Around the table. Yes. Holding Bible study. Yes. And he was invited to uh, join them. Were you sitting around the table or you were in the back? I was around the table, the last table in, in the back. When you prayed under that table, were you asking for something? I was asking that he wouldn't kill all of us. That is Polly Shepard. She actually survived the incident. From Dylan Roof's court testimony, he said to Polly Shepard as he was standing there over her with the Glock, with the Glock 45, she was praying. She thought that was it for her. She just witnessed nine murders at close range from someone they welcomed in. I I just keep wanting to drive that home. And even the FBI did not understand it because they these people welcomed him in. You welcome someone into your home, and then they carry this horrific act out. So the court testimony, he stands over Polly Shepard and says, y'all, and basically he's talking about African-Americans, y'all are raping our white women. Y'all are taking over the world. That's what he said. What? Yeah. That doesn't even make any sense. Well, in his manifesto, you'll see how it makes sense in his mind. He had eight magazines total. In the interview with the FBI, he talks about where he buys the gun and everything else. So I'm going to post that on Talk Martyr if you guys are really interested. It's about an hour and 10 minutes. It's not very long. Now, once he left the church, it was all over the news, obviously. The picture of him entering the church and his car along with the model and the year were made available to everyone. And he was quickly uh, called in by several people, including his father and his uncle. He actually tells the FBI that he didn't know he killed anyone at all. What? They, yeah. So they ask him, you know, how many people were killed that night? And he reacts like he doesn't even know he killed anyone. He That's definitely bizarre. doesn't know he killed nine. Well, yeah, I mean, I just, I went to that church in Charleston. And, uh, I did it. You did what? <laughs> well, you, I mean, uh, well, I did, I killed him. Well, I guess. I mean, I don't really know. Well, what was, what, what was, I mean, well, I mean, I don't know how many people were here. So, did you shoot him? Yes. To really understand why he did it, you have to read his ramblings from his manifesto Hmm. and you'll see why he did it. But, and we're going to dive into that, but in a nutshell, this is why he did it. You know, then I was sitting there and I was like, you know, just thinking about whether I should do it or not. You know, that's why I was sitting there for 15 minutes. Just like, oh, you know, like, because I know I could have just walked out, you know, because they didn't say anything to me about what, what, you know, the thing I'm about. So I could have walked out, you know, and that's what I was just thinking, you know. But then I just, you know, like, I just, uh, like, I don't know, it's like, not, I want to say spur of the moment, but, you know, I just, I just finally decided I had to do it. And that's pretty much it. Well, well that, that's, that goes to the next question. Why did you have to do it? Oh, I had to do it. How come? I mean, that's what I, that's what I don't know. Oh. 
Well, I had to do it because somebody had to do something because, you know, black people are killing white people every day on the streets and they rape, they rape white women, a hundred white women a day. That's an FBI statistic from 2005. Yeah, 2005. This is 10 years later, bro. Also, you te- you're picking the facts that support your case. And- well, they're not. Number one, they're not facts. They're and I'm going to go into that. But if you go and watch this video, you'll notice the two white FBI officers. Dylan Roof is talking to them like they already understand his mindset. Hmm, it, it, just try to think about that. And then try to think what it would be like if there was a black FBI officer there. Would it have went the same way? Mm. Because the way he talks is so matter-of-factly like, hey, yeah, man, you guys understand, right? Someone had to do something kind of thing. Also, weren't most of his victims female? I I mean, it was like half and half. Oh, half and half. Okay. But still, like, wasn't totally targeted towards men. When... They finally drilled down to why what, – what made you start thinking like this? Because the whole time he's thinking that these FBI agents think just like he does, and they don't. Even though they're white men, they're just as confused as anyone else. And he said the real push for him is when he kept seeing news about the Trayvon Martin case. How long have you felt this way? I mean, the, I guess my question is, was there ever a time where you... Right, well, I'll tell you. Yeah. The first thing that, I guess I could say, I, I would say woke me up, you know, would be the, the Trayvon Martin case. You know, and that was a while back. Right. What was it, two years ago? You know? And, you know, I, I, I kept hearing about this kid, you know, I'm like, eventually I decided to, you know, look look his name up, just type him into Google, you know what I'm saying? And then I read the the Wikipedia article about Trayvon Martin, and I couldn't understand what the big deal was, you see what I'm saying? And then, for some reason, after I read that, I, I, I typed in, uh, for some reason, it made me type in the, the words "black on white crime," and that's that was it. You know, ever since then. Wow. Do you remember that case? Yeah, that yeah. was in Florida, right? The security guard yeah. that shot the kid. Not only it wasn't that he was invested in that case so much; it was the fact that he kept seeing it, and he states in the interview he didn't really understand why it was so popular, what's all the hype about? And that really got him, that, that's why he just said the news is really biased towards black people and stuff like that. The fact of the matter is what I did is so minuscule to what they're doing to white people every day, all the time. And just because that doesn't get on the news doesn't mean it's not happening. You know, everybody knows that the news is bias for black people not that we're gonna under we're not gonna be able to understand this guy's mindset no. so you're not and one of the things i and not to like get on my soapbox or preach but please do be, it john get on that please fucking yeah you preaching is in your dna bro 
please Why do I keep saying bro i don't know <laughs> you know what we used to just say instead of bro brah bra. no, i don't like that brah uh, bra. i use bro or bruh brah it was a very lax yeah. school oh, um, was that really oh yeah you guys have a good lax team right world champions we were a hot we were a, 12 we were a hockey school I went to University of Phoenix. Our football team was also undefeated. <laughs> and that you had no football team? We've been undefeated since 1929. Not Same. against our football team. Samesies. We didn't have a football team. I went to University That's of Phoenix. That's we were all commiserating That's okay. about. You got your Is degree that, and we're proud of you. I got my degree and I did not have help from anyone. All right. Not to try to get on my soapbox and preach to you guys, but... But, um, because I know 99% of people probably don't think like this. But please be careful with your social media accounts because there is a study out there that also proves what I'm about to say. Let's say you're really Republican or Democrat or whatever. I'm not political, so I don't care. You will start seeing biased news mm-hmm. related to what you mm-hmm. believe, and it will actually put you in a bubble. And the reason that's dangerous is because you don't see you're the not seeing view. the opposing view. Therefore, you're thinking the world is one way. One way only. It's very, it's very dangerous. And I, I believe this is what – it's not the reason – but this is what happens, especially to young minds getting developed. But not just young minds either. It happens to a lot of older people too who actually want like, – they don't even know that it's – like – I mean I don't think a lot of people know that that stuff is tailored to them. It's interesting. Like we just started watching that show Chernobyl mm-hmm. and – God damn, I'm getting all these yeah. you know, news articles about Chernobyl and what, what they got wrong and that Russia's creating their own because they didn't like how yeah. it was portrayed. And it knows. It happens man. to the yeah. best it of us, knows. man. If you don't believe us, go back to the first few episodes but, of this podcast. You'll see we did a lot of Canada stories. And that's because I did <laughs> one Canada story and then every You saw all the Canada news, stories. Yeah, they start popping up and but, I'm like, wow, Canada is a crazy problem. But and, they're probably just as fucked up as we are. Exactly. But they do of- have a problem with letting their people out of prison though. <laughs> Half of the problem is that there I'm are, drunk. There are really a little bit. Half of the problem is that there are people out there who only want to see what what their side mm, claims. That's a great point. Um, you I'm know, buzzed too. Right? I'm a little. I mean, I'm like, I'm like not. I'm I buzzed. Would, I'm uh, buzzed. I don't know if I'm buzzed. I'm like, I'm like almost buzzed. I hop, bitches. No, we're having yes. chicken. I don't have money, remember? We're having chicken, Jen. I don't have money. I, I got have a $20. 20. We gotcha. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that means the coal's in for IHOP. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, dude, you should have seen us trying the to only thing that The only thing that is not good about this grill is that it takes so long to heat up. Because if we think about it, it's 8.15 now, unless you want to turn the I really grill don't on. Be d- turn oh, the yeah. grill on? You don't turn a, well, we'll a charcoal grill on. You know what I mean. Stop saying, oh, no. go flip the switch, turn it on. No, I have to you light know what I mean. the... I have to pour the charcoal in there. All right. And then, All right, we'll have chicken for dinner tomorrow. All right. But... I hop the, tonight. Okay. Wow. Yes. Um, 
the point is it could be any age not just older people no but a lot of older people like for example my dad he i'm not gonna i'm not gonna but i can think of also someone else who used to live in this house who oh like did not want to see the other side no there that is a certain like it, i don't think it's an age thing i think it's just a mindset when and i think this goes for any fucking thing if you think you're right you're right there is no reason to even try to persuade someone to the other side in some people's eyes i think that there's a value in seeing i mean personally but if you a, don't want to if you don't want to see it it doesn't matter all right and I think that's a problem. Like, you're not necessarily right about everything. Sometimes it's a good thing to invite opposing views because you'll get to learn about it's people. It's always a good thing to invite opposing views. Well, yeah. Okay. You can go on. Now. No, it's true. And if. You should go put on my Stephen Colbert t shirt. I'm just saying, guys, watch Keep out for your alive. social media, man. Watch out for that stuff. I deleted all my accounts. I'm not telling you to do that. We knew someone. That was really into global warming, but she couldn't explain how it worked or anything. So I kept telling her, if you really want to understand global warming and seeing if it's a real issue, and I believe it is. I mean, the scientists say it is, it is. But Absolutely. anyway, anyway, if you really want to understand, you need to get off the social media and all that biased news and read actual textbooks on how global warming works. And you dive into the really hard you know the really ah fuck it you know i saw somewhere and i don't i didn't read the article so i don't know if it was just one of those spam articles that people put out there to impose fear on people that said earth would only be alive for like earth would only last another 20 to 30 years which is actually very terrifying but i mean i'm not i don't want to say that i'm like as I don't know how to say this without sounding bad. I'm going to say is that I do care about global warming, not just because like, I just think it's the right thing to do, like to yeah. take, take care of the earth. We live here. Other people live here. You want your kids to live here. Like, I think it's important to clean up the earth and stuff like that. I'm not saying that I'm not like a, a you know, a, what's the word I'm looking for? And a, a sensationalist about global warming per se, but I do think it's important to clean up the earth. And you know, if you don't think so that you're entitled to your opinion, but I don't understand why you wouldn't want to. 99% of scientists out there say something. The guys that go to school, college, seven-year degrees for this stuff and work in the field for 30-plus years say global warming exists, then just believe it. I mean, they're the experts. Um, that's in my opinion anyway. But if you really want to dive in, do the research yourself, not just read a bunch of bullshit articles. I think that – I mean I think that global warming exists and I think it's very important. But I think that what some people – don't understand is is the importance and some people put the importance some people's like i said sensationalize it and i don't i i am not a global warming expert i'm not saying it's not important or uh, at all because i do think it is important but what i think we need to get the facts on what is the actual implication and you know what i mean the scientists are basically saying we're about to become an oven so venus has a runaway greenhouse effect and if that becomes of earth then you could cook a pizza by just standing outside in three seconds. Sweet. Then I don't have to pay for it. But it's also 900, deg- <laughs> 900 oh. degrees. Well, and at least we have air it'll melt our faces off. <laughs> yeah, so your face will melt off before your pizza's cooked. I don't know. Anyway, how the fuck we talk about global warming? I don't know. Anyway. But, like, remember that scene in Chernobyl where the guy was all radiated and gross? Yeah, yeah that was pretty sad. Chernobyl's a good show. Watch that, bitches. We all have right. one more episode left. All right, let me, let me bring you guys back for a minute. Can you 
Can you imagine? No. This is a horrific event. He walks in. He's welcomed. They see the bag. They see the heavy bag on his belt. They know he looks different. I mean, when's the last time a white person walked into that church? And they're they're welcoming because it's the house of God. But they don't have to be as welcoming as they were. They sat with him. They talked to him. They prayed with him. You know, if they were welcoming, they'd be like, yeah, there's seats everywhere. Just, you know, make yourself comfortable. But they were another type of welcoming where they, you know, they sat with him, prayed with him, talked to him, made a connection with him because they, in their mind, they probably thought he was a lost soul trying to get help. When I shot a magazine, it's like I just went, bah, 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 bah. you see what I'm saying? Like at one person, you see what I'm saying? So, so they, so when you started shooting, I guess, you say you were so quick shooting on the line, maybe they didn't even see where it was coming from. Right, actually, well, the all, first shots. And they all dove into the table. Right, 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 right. Everybody knew it. Everybody did. Yes. And then you went around the tables to shoot them. Of course. They had no I mean, idea. What, they, like a church is not the place where you're going to be a like, church. sorry, this is closed. Well, yeah, a church. I remember... Never go into a church. And U.S., same shit. Do not fuck with mosque or anything else. Do not fuck with religious sanctions. That should be the safe zone no matter that, what religion it is. That almost, is the safe zone. It's, al- <sighs> it's almost... Yeah. That is a low... That was, a feel like, a lesson from um, Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's a life like, lesson. Sanctuary, sanctuary. Yeah, that is a that. very... That, that is a, a very... Similar, similar to the Vegas shootings where people are, like, going to have a good time, you know? Like, people are there, they're expressing their beliefs and you know i you know not every religion is the same you know some people are more god-fearing than god-loving you know per se does that mean but does i don't know if that made sense what i just said but it it makes you less less than a man like it I, i can't even there's no words to describe it you do not no matter what religion it is no matter how much hatred you have, you do not go, you do not cross that line that society holds that we've had held for thousands of years about the sacredness of a religious institution and violate that. That is not okay in any sense. Because you're yeah. not, you're not only, I mean, you're not only doing a heinous act alone but in a place where people are showing their reverence for god or you know whoever you are worshiping and it, it like when you i feel like when you go into a church to worship you surrender yourself to god it's his house or allah or or any other deity that you you respect it's their place of worship you know it's even atheists will tell you the same thing do not mess with that that is not okay no because it's what people believe you shouldn't fuck with that do atheists have like meetings or churches Uh, actually you should say what there's this movie on netflix that's really good about the woman who started the what was oh yeah the the woman that That uh her son uh, refused to uh, say was a pledge of allegiance um, and God under re- God under God in school, 
And it's the woman. It's the true story about the woman that started the whole atheist movie off, or the movement. whole atheist movement off of that. Mm. It's really interesting. I mean, as a as a Roman Catholic, I I respect that they have their beliefs, but you or know, lack thereof. Obviously, but they're or going lack to hell. thereof. Right. I know that's not what I'm going to say. <laughs> no, I, I mean, and I just, I mean, I differ from their beliefs, and you know, I hope they find what they're looking for or, or not looking for and they just live their lives. But I think it's important to respect other people's beliefs. And this is also a tangent that we don't need to go into. All right. So the manhunt. Now, he committed this horrific act after he was welcomed in. I can't say that enough. And it's Yeah, it's the next day that I remember kind of like yeah. being on semi-lockdown at work. The manhunt, approximately 10.32 a.m., the Shelby Police Department, which I've been through Shelby when I was driving to uh, my Ivy League school, University of Phoenix. Um, Shelby is pretty close there to Charlotte, so uh, it's a small town. So so you you drove up 26 to – did you drive up the interstate the whole way to Charlotte? No, no, no. What was the reason you chose to drive to Charlotte? Well, I just didn't want to go back to Columbia, and I just, like I said, you know, I was stealing all that I even was driving at all. I even got away. Sure, you know sure. So it's I just picked a place. So you didn't expect to survive. Oh, no. He was actually spotted by Miss Debbie Dills, a local florist, So, and she is a hero. Thank you so much, Debbie. She followed Dylan Roof. After, quote, I got closer and spotted the haircut. Wow. The bowl cut. Mm. I was nervous. I had the worst feeling. She followed him until she knew that the cops had him. So, and keep in mind, he has his Glock 45. Oh, And that was on the news. He's armed and dangerous. So, Debbie Dills, if you ever hear this, you are a hero. And your plant shop, I hope, flourishes. You get oh, it? She's a florist. Oh, yeah. Once he was caught, didn't he ask for McDonald's or something? I mean, they all, they all ask. I mean, they, they all I eat. just remember hearing about that. All right, so if you watch the interview video, what I like to do is also watch the, the people giving the interview. In this instance, it's two FBI agents. In this interview, they will actually kind of stroke his ego. They'll say, mm-hmm. Dylan, I know you... Got your GED and you dropped out and stuff, but I mean, you're I've seen you're smart. You, you're smart. You're you're intelligent. Like what? Why? I mean, how did you get this way? I mean, you're obviously very intelligent to research all this stuff. In reality, he's not. But they were really stroking his ego, and he was he let everything out. You're an intelligent individual, and the, the bottom line is the fact that you're you you may, maybe you're, maybe grades at a school or things like that don't reflect it. But you're you're an intelligent person. The fact that you're able to read and comprehend and maintain specific knowledge, you know, you're you're highly aware. I guess is what I'm trying to say. And that's a great method because as a you know, as a counselor, that's one of the, the most important things is to be able to form a rapport with your client because once you form that rapport and build that relationship with them, they're more likely to talk to you. They'll feel more mm. comfortable with you. They'll trust you. So that's actually a pretty good uh, method that they use. He was on the way to Nashville, Tennessee. Now, now we're going to... Nashville's gonna, cool. So we talked about been. the incident at the AME Church here in Charleston, South Carolina, beautiful place. Please do not think of Charleston as a a hatred city because it's not. He was not from Charleston. He's from Eastover, which is close to Columbia, the capital. 
we also talked about the manhunt a little bit. Now I want to talk about Dylan Roof's background. How, I mean, how did one kid that just turned 21 years old commit such a violent and heinous act? So before this incident, he obtained and used the domain lastrhodesian.com. Now, lastrhodesian.com is not available now on the internet, but I did pull a from the Wayback Machine. If you guys don't know what the Wayback Machine is, it's an internet archive site, and every website that has been on the internet in existence is and that has been crawled by the Wayback Machine is listed on there, including this site, The Last Rhodesian. So this is... Like Rhodesian Ridgebacks? Yeah. He posted about oh, wow. 60 pictures of himself. We're going to go through them. I'm going to put oh. this link on TalkMurder.com. Yeah, it looks like Boone Hall. It's really... Yeah, this is Boone Hall. It's really hard <gasps> to find this link. Ooh, so, guys... For right those of you who don't know, Boone Hall is literally three minutes a mile away. from where we live. Yeah. He's also got pictures of Sullivan's Island. My favorite place. And where Bill Murray lives. Bill, please come on the show. We love Bill. you. We need to call him. Yeah, we Bill, you're the reason number. I went into the Army. Stripes was a, the, <laughs> the movie that pushed me in there. So come on the show. But this is Dylan's old webpage. He posts about 60 photos. Now, this link is really hard to find. I had to do some digging for this, guy. So if you really want to see these photos in their entirety, go to talkmurder.com, click on this post. I am putting the link. It's for the Wayback Machine on the wow. post. So that's a really eerie photo. He's so creepy looking. Oh, look at all these photos are eerie. Oh. Him and his bowl cut in the wilderness. The in bowl all cut, bla- the bowl all cut black will be, or black and camo clothes. The bowl cut will become a big thing on this podcast. It's um, like he's we, trying to model. So far the only We are going to be talking a lot about the bowl cut. He's just wearing black and camo. Weird. So there's his Glock uh, 45. Now his Glock was actually purchased by him, but his dad gave him 400 bucks for his birthday, and he bought the Glock at a, a place called Shooter's Choice, That's which I've been to birthday. plenty of times in West Columbia. They have a shooting range and everything else. Now, they didn't actually illegally sell him the firearm, but they obviously didn't know he was going to do this with it. And look look at these pictures, That's like mm-hmm. this beautiful plantation mansion, and he's just That's squatted down. That's the mansion down. that they feature in the notebook, for those of you who don't know. This is his, at Boone Hall. This is Dylan Roos' signature stance. The squatted down, uh, his weight is on his right knee, huh. and he's, in a lot of pictures, has his Glock in, in his in right hand. in front of the Avenue of Oaks. Oh. There's a Glock 45 that was used. Now, he took, he says seven magazines, but I... I Read other sources said eight, about 77 plus bullets, including one magazine that he left and he didn't reload during the time of the shooting because from what he says, he was going to take his own life if he saw the police officers outside and he did not. And in the interview, he actually questions the police. He says, are they not doing their job? I mean, I fired 88 shots and there were no cops to be found. So you go and you get your car. And you, uh, you get and leave. So where do you go? Well, to be honest, I was in absolute awe that there was nobody out there after I had shot that many bullets. I was like, oh my god, what are these cops doing? They're not even really doing their job. If you hear how many shots, I don't know how many shots that was. You know, what's what is it? Seven times eleven. 
77, you know, there's not even a cop outside. You know, so obviously, when I walked out that door, you know, I peeked out the door. Because I thought there was going to be somebody there ready to shoot me, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, that's really why I have the class magazine. It's not to shoot cops, it's so I can shoot myself. You see what I'm saying? When they, when I saw a cop. What? He was, he uh, supposedly was going to take his life. I think it's bullshit. I I think he is not capable of taking his life. Anyway, I'm going to Well, I think it's interesting, though, that he did ask that woman to tell his story and that I feel like he only needed that if he wasn't going to be around to tell his own story. Yeah. Which he was. Yeah. He's also got a photo at the Angel Oak tree. I've never been to Angel Oak. The Angel Oak tree is on John's Island. It's one of the largest trees. Now, 1488, I'm going to get to this. Remember that number? So he wrote this at Sullivan's Island on the sand there. Beautiful, oh. beautiful, beautiful Sullivan's Island. If you ever come down to Charleston, down our way, our favorite place in the whole go world. Go to Sullivan's Island, and if you email me privately, I will tell you a secret spot on Sullivan's Island where you can swim with the dolphins. I do it all the time. I still There's haven't. There's no gone. one ever out there. You don't have to pay where shit. Do you go on Sunday, I know oh, where. Yeah. I know where the dolphins swim. I'm not making this up. Please validate me. It's true. It's true. Nicole has actually swam with the dolphins a few times. I have not been able to because of my work schedule. You can swim. You can touch the dolphins. They're it's right there. Amazing. And the best part about it is no one really knows about this spot because most of the tourists go to Isle of Palms, not Sullivan's Island. I love Sullivan's. I What do dolphins feel like? Are they slimy? Yeah, they are slimy. They're just little And slippery. they're very mean. I mean, they're not mean, but they will ram you with their big beaks. <laughs> he has had much more experience than me. Then they've only yeah. been like a little bit further away from. Yeah, me. Nicole has had plenty of jellyfish experience. So if you oh, if you no. want to touch yeah, a jellyfish, you can uh, ask me about it. Especially when you don't have to pee, it really sucks. Oh. Dylan Roof was born in Columbia to a carpenter, which we're going to talk about. His dad, very abusive father, and a bartender. They did get divorced. He has two siblings. We're going to talk about one of his sisters, Morgan, which has been in the news. She brought a gun to school. Oh, yeah. Why would you do that? His sister did? Yeah, Yeah, his sister did. This from the Daily Mail. Exclusive Charleston killer Dylan Roof grew up in a fractured home where his violent father beat his stepmother and hired a private detective to follow her when they split. She claims in court papers. That's a long title. That's his dad right there. Oh, He looks like a fat... He's got tattoos. Man. Does he have nipple piercings? Yeah, he yes, does. Yes, he does have nipple piercings. Yes, Ew. you are. I mean, like, if that's your thing, go for it. But uh, I heard that if you have nipple piercings and you try to breastfeed, the milk will, like, squirt all over different directions. Can someone please confirm or deny? At the age of 15, Dylan Roof began to skip school, living on and off with his father while he spent his days taking drugs and playing video games. As a teen Dylan Roof visited a family doctor who called him, quote, a very anxious man. Hmm. In 2009, as Roof was entering high school at the age of 13, his mother took him to Lexington County Community Mental Health Center because he was defying her, using drugs, skipping school, and engaging in, quote, oppositional behavior. Roof's A's at one point have now become F's. 
Oh. Now, I do want to say Dylan Roof went to Lexington High School for a little bit, which is a really nice school. The Wildcats. It's right by where I went, down near an old Gilbert. Mm. It's right next door to Gilbert. I went to Gilbert. Didn't we, like, take the dogs to go pee at Lexington? Yes, so... He went to Lexington, and then he says in the interview he also went to a place called Dreer. Dylan Roof also experienced anxiety in social situations with one report saying that he, quote, worries about it all the time and at one point threatened to run away and kill himself. God, I wish he would have. Yeah. Because his mother had made him go to school. He later told his mom the threat was a bluff. Dylan Roof is not the type... To want to die at all. I just want to say, I, you know, I don't wish that he killed himself because I'm not a proponent of suicide, but like, I wish that he did seek mental help. Yeah, that's a good point. The psychiatry report also suggests that Roof was self medicated with drugs and alcohol, and he told doctors he had no intention of quitting his use of marijuana. Now, in the interview, the FBI Agents ask him, was he doing drugs prior to this? And he kind of refused to go down that road for some reason. I don't know why. He didn't want to talk about that like he was going to get in trouble for smoking some pot. You just <laughs> kill fucking nine people. Do you use drugs? Sometimes. Which kinds do you, what do you use? No, I don't use drugs. What's well, okay if you do? If you use marijuana, no, trust me. I don't, we're not worried about, you know, when I, when I, when I don't use drugs, I don't want to talk about drugs. Okay, that's fine. What is this guy's motive? Why did this man, or not even man, why did this 21-year-old go in there and do this? In his interview with the FBI agents, he stated that, quote, somebody had to do something. Now, as you guys heard earlier, black men are raping white women every day. A hundred white women a year. That's FBI statistics from 2005. They rape white women, a hundred white women a day. That's FBI statistic from 2005. I did look that up. In fact, there is a very, very fantastic article that I will post on talkmurder.com. It is the biggest lie in the white supremacist propaganda playbook. Oh. Unraveling the truth about, quote, black-on-white crime. And before I dive into that article, I want to point out I am not political. I could give two shits about Democrats. I could give two shits about Republicans. But I will say Donald Trump the Republican candidate at the time, November 21st, 2015, he wasn't the president yet. He did quote a faulty statistic, U.S. crime statistics, 2015, blacks killed by whites, 2%. And then if you go to the bottom, blacks killed by blacks, 97%. It's just faulty statistics. And hmm. for someone to post something that untrue, n- number one, he got this from a neo-Nazi propaganda website, and for someone in that much power, he did not check it, or even if he did, he decided to post it anyway. If you post something, you need to make sure it's accurate, especially if you're in that much power. The Washington Post actually went back and made sure his numbers were right, and they were wildly off, actually. This article from politifact.com, Trump's Pants on fire tweet that blacks killed 
81% of white homicide victims is completely false. Wow. Now, as I said, I am not political whatsoever. If this was Hillary, I'd be saying the same article. We've I already do done care. an episode technically about yeah. Hillary. Yeah. Bill. Um, none. All right. You can read this, Nicole, since you like reading. This is uh, from. I do. I do like reading because I'm a nerd. None of the numbers are supported by official sources. The figures on black-on-white homicides and white-on-white homicides are wildly inaccurate. And as several news organizations quickly noted, the Crime Statistics Bureau does not exist. Wait, did you hear that? The Crime crime Statistics Statistics Bureau Bureau that Donald Trump tweeted, and again, I'm not not political, I do not care, it does not even exist. He actually pulled this picture right here that he tweeted from a neo-nazi website not not that he's a neo-nazi he's probably he was probably just ignorant about this information so not like he was trying to cause a race war here no we're not saying we looked for that agency as well and the closest we found in san francisco were a number of crime scene cleanup services yes (laughs) so the why am i bringing this up because it's because information because I okay yeah Dylan Roof is a monster he did this he killed nine people he's a bad person into podcast no I don't think so I want to understand what made him sway this way you know no one is born as a baby racist have you ever seen a white baby and a black baby beside each other and then white baby like slaps the black baby or something it doesn't happen it's grown they do not see color it has to be it has to come in from somewhere. They have to point. learn it from somewhere. It's the whole nature versus nurture aspect and the fact that nurture really does play an important role in the way that we perceive the world. But I'd also like to make a point, and it's actually kind of scary that what's going on in the world today, um, as you guys know, Nicole and I are uh, hail from Massachusetts. And I don't know if you guys know this, but June is uh, Gay Pride Month. And in Boston, they actually uh, – A straight a, parade. A group held a straight pride parade. Now, uh, this is something I don't understand because like, the reason that we have Pride Month is because, you know, the LGP, LGBTQ plus community – is a community that is, you know, discriminated against, that was discriminated against for many years. They, re- you know, straight people, I mean, we don't, re- we don't really need, why do we need that? You like, don't. We don't. Same thing why there's n- no need for a white group. Correct. Or and whatever. It, it's scary when you think, and honestly, I'm not, I don't know if it's, I'm the only a, one that it's thinks It's the this. exact same argument of why there is the difference between Black Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. Correct. That's all, the distinction. All, li- all lives do matter. But, but however, not, <laughs> Black but, Lives have historically been discounted, correct. been con- considered three-fifths of a human person. Correct. And all of that sort of thing where, like, yes, while all lives matter... Black lives do matter, matter just and as the much as a white they, person. The reason, they, the reason that they put that group out there is because of the amount of crimes that were being committed against black people. And and I think I don't think I'm the only one that uh, that's out there that actually, I mean, I'm just going to put this out there now. I hope this doesn't happen, but I'm actually kind of seriously like afraid that there we may see another civil war in our lifetime. 
because I think that there's going to be a race war or no. something like that. I don't know. I just think civil that, war. I, I don't think so. You don't think there's going to be a no, race war? No, because civil war. I think th- we're. I think we're already in it. The worst war I, I you can have is a civil war for your economy because you're using your internal resources to fire to to fight each other. So I think that will be quickly disbanded. A civil war. Well, I'm just saying a lot of people aren't thinking about their resources, though. I'm just think that there's like a lot of there's a lot of hate out there, and I'm not I'm not a there's proponent hate of it. everywhere. There's been hate for thousands of years. I know, and that's why we've had so many wars. So, from the same site, the most glaring inaccuracies have to do with the white homicide victims. Trump cast black as the primary killers of whites, but the exact opposite is true. By overwhelming percentages, whites tend to kill other whites. Similarly, blacks tend to kill other blacks. These trends have been observed for decades. Mm. This is what I was trying to say earlier. Be careful about where you mm. pull your information That's from right. because it Fake may be completely really false. Is everywhere. Even the president of the United States pulled bullshit numbers. I don't think he meant to, but he posted something that was wildly inaccurate. So you got to be careful. And and why I'm bringing this up is because Dylan Roof actually thinks that there is some secret race war going on right now. And he talks about this in the interview that there's some hidden agenda that black people all across America and in Europe, especially he talks about in Europe, are secretly going around and killing white people. So is it safe to say you you don't like black people? Well, I don't like what black people do. Okay, okay, that's, that's fair. What, what black people is a race do, right? Is that what you're saying? Or in America, or the whole world, or what? In America, in Europe, there's a whole bunch of black people in Europe now yep. doing the same things. In a lot of ways, it's even worse over there than it is here. London's only 60% white. You know, we've got so many Muslims over there in Europe to be a swamp. That's not accurate at all. But the fact that he thinks that really intrigued me to understand why he thinks that. Like, what what actually made him think that? And why did he latch on to that? Right. That idea that is so far-fetched. But is is it, though? Is it far-fetched when you have the president of the United States also well, kind of agreeing with like it? It feels like it adds credibility to it. Yeah. Quoting some bullshit crime statistics bureau. Do you guys— See what I'm trying to hint at? Like, there is a deeper problem here that I wanted to dive into. The biggest lie in the white supremacist propaganda playbook unraveling the truth of black and white crime. The reason I'm diving into this is because I'm trying to figure out what made Dylan Roof walk into that church in the first place. There had to be something. Um, Roof actually saw himself as a victim. What? Standing up for oppressed whites, not as an aggressor, okay? He saw himself as a victim. And in the interview, if you watch the interview, you will see that. He actually, that's why he says, well, someone had to do something, and I had the balls to do it. You said you had to do this because, so basically what you're, 
I have to do it because nobody else is going to do it. Nobody else is brave enough to do anything about it. You know, back in the late 80s and the early 90s, you know, we had skinheads and stuff like that. There's no skinheads left. There's no KKK. KKK never did anything anyway. He saw himself as a victim. This but also why has a church, though. Like, this also has a great video on here uh, that you can watch. The miseducation of Dylan Roof. This is what I'm trying to hit at today. Then a president candidate, Donald Trump, who in November 2015 tweeted an image that originated from a neo-Nazi account that made exactly the same point as the hate sites Dylan Roof was reading. So this is what I was talking about social media. You read a hate blog or whatever. You may not think it's a hate blog. Maybe it's an alt-right conservative. Maybe it's Republican or maybe it's Democrat. Who knows? But more and more news based on that view will be shown up in your news feed. You have to understand that. You need both opposing views of an issue. Um, the tweet also asserted that 81% of whites are killed by black people. The FBI number, let me say that again. The tweet also asserted that 81% of whites are killed by black people. 81%. The FBI number, the actual number that Dylan Roof, the 2005 statistic from the FBI said, the FBI actual number is 15%. 15%. It was 81%. Do you see in that picture how, that he wow. Do you see how skewed how that like, is? Get out that way. As the post concluded, quote, Trump cast blacks and that, again, again guys, I don't want to lose any Trump supporters. I don't want to lose any Republicans whatsoever. I I do not care about if this said Hillary instead of Trump I do not care. I am not political whatsoever. Maybe it has to do with the fact that most murders, you know the victim and people tend to yeah. kill within their own circles. It's just, yeah, it's the same thing. Uh, like for uh, black rapist, you, you remember uh, the Taco Bell Strangler? Yeah. I mean, he was killing and assaulting black women. So the same thing with Ted Bundy. Remember, he was he was killing white women, not black women. We We tend to stay in our social group. The idea that black people are wantonly attacking white people in some sort of quiet race war is an untruthful and damaging narrative with a very long history in America. White Americans' unsubstantiated views about the potential of violence from black people was the number one excuse they used to justify slavery, lynching, Jim Crow, and various forms of mass incarceration. Now, I do want to say, yes, this is a white-on-black hate crime that was committed, but there are also African-American extremist groups with the same view against white people. There are also Asian extremist groups. Every color you can think of has an extremist group. And that's what we need to understand here. All right. So let me talk about the trial right quick. Trial, the United States versus Dylan Storm Roof. Now, he was indicted on 33 federal charges, including 12 counts of committing a hate crime against black victims. I still can't believe his middle name is Storm. So he was actually tried by a grand jury and by the state. 12 counts of committing a hate crime against black victims, 12 counts of obstructing the exercise of religion, 9 counts of using a firearm to commit murder, 
On May 24, 2016, the Justice Department announced that Dylan Roof would face the death penalty. He was already facing the death penalty in his state trial. Remember, as I said, Dylan Roof was the first person in history and the only person so far that has both faced the death penalty in both state and federal charges. Mm. So no matter what, this guy's going to fry. And That's right. Come to South Carolina, we'll fuck you up, man. And he was also... the don't first, come to South Carolina. We don't want you here. The first if one to federally like get sentenced to death for a hate crime. Like I said, this does not reflect Charleston, South Carolina. This is not who we no, are. No, it reflects here. one little fucking punk yes, coming to America's friendliest city. On December 15, 2016, the, the grand jury found Roof guilty on all 33 federal counts. And he was sentenced to death on January 10th, 2017. On the 9th of June, 2016, he announced he did not want a, a jury trial. He wanted just a, the judge to make his sentence, which huh. that happens quite often, actually. On August 2nd, 2016, lawyers filed a motion arguing that federal capital punishment laws were unconstitutional. Dylan Roof did have some qualms. That's some words for friends. <laughs> I use that one. Coming at you, bro. Dylan Roof did I have some still qualms. Don't play I'm not good at it. <laughs> I just gave up. Some qualms with his attorneys, and I'm going to show you some of the pictures. He told the judge that his attorneys were keeping him in the dark and not fulfilling his wishes how he wanted his trial to proceed. August 23rd. The federal prosecutors filed documents announcing intention to call 13 expert witnesses at a trial, including white supremacy experts who expected to testify on, quote, extremist ideology and the belief that, quote, use of violence to achieve white supremacy. All right. So they actually found a jailhouse journal from Dylan Roof. And I'm going to scroll through here. I'm going to put it on Talk Murder so you guys can see. It's just pretty much his ramblings. Is this his manifesto? No, it's not his manifesto. This is just a journal they found. What is that? uh, Ghost drawings. Ghosts? And is that the devil? Gremlin there or something. This is the pagan cross. That looks like a Celtic cross to me. I thought that was a pagan symbol. No, that's a Celtic cross. Well, let me say that again so I sound smart. This look, this looks here like the Celtic cross. What do you think, Nicole? Is that the Celtic cross? I don't know. You have to ask Jen. I think that's right, the Celtic yeah, cross. Looks yeah, looks like a Celtic cross. He has some kind of weird shit with the Nazi symbol. Oh, yeah, 88. 1488. I'm going to get to that. Let's read quickly from the manifesto. I'm not going to read it all. I'm putting it on Talk Martyr so you guys can read it. But in his manifesto, he talks a little bit about the North west front which i did not know what it was at the time so after my research this is what i found the northwest front now this is from their actual website the northwest front is a political organization of aryan men and women who recognize that an independent and sovereign white nation in the pacific northwest is the only possibility for the survival of the white race on this continent. Basically, the Northwest Front is trying to get all the whites from the South to go to the Pacific Northwest and start a community up there. That's what the Northwest Front, the goal of that is. It's a, it's a very white supremacist-y movement. That's isn't weird. That, isn't that where that famous shootout yeah. happened? Yeah. 
I want to read just a few quotes from his manifesto. So, Nicole, if you want to read these. From the manifesto, quote, I think this idea is beyond stupid. Why should I, for example, give up the beauty and history of my state to go to the Northwest? To me, the whole ideal just parallels the concept of white people running to the suburbs. The whole idea is pathetic and just another way to run from the problem without facing it. It is far from being too late for America or Europe. I believe that even if we made up only 30% of the population, we could take it back completely. This by no means should we wait any longer to take drastic action. I have no choice. I am not in the position to, to alone go in the ghetto and fight. I choose Charleston because it is the most historic city in my state and at one time the highest ratio of blacks to whites in the country. We have no skinheads, no real KKK, no doing anything but talking on the internet. Well, someone has to have the bravery to take it to the real world, and I guess that has to be me. So a few things I want to point out here. As I said before, he feels like he's the victim. If you guys seen the the shooter that went into the mosque in New Zealand and killed 50-something Muslims, he actually thought the same way. In fact, he quote, this is what he said before he goes in. He was on Facebook Live. He says, it's time to stop shit posting." Basically, on all these forums I'm talking about where you, you get reinforced as negative messages, it's time to stop shit posting and actually do something about it. Same mindset Dylan Roof has here. He says, I have no choice. He's a victim. Does that make sense? I Someone's got to do something. This is a problem. That's what he's in his mind. It's not that he's a monster. He is, but it's the mindset is what I'm trying to really pinpoint down because that's the problem. Because if he's like that, how easy it is, how easy is it for other people to get that way? Mm -hmm. That's the problem. It's not about him shooting up a church of black people. That is very horrific. But the main problem is how he got that way. Right. Another thing he says here is, I am not in the position to alone go into the ghetto and fight. And I want to ask, well, why not? Well, it's like this, you see. I'm not in the position, you know, by myself, you know, to go into like a black neighborhood, you know, or something like that and, and, and shoot up, you know, drug dealers or something like that. You see what I'm saying? This just that's not gonna do anything. You see what I'm saying? I had to go somewhere else. You see what I'm saying? Why did you go into a church filled with unarmed people, defenseless yeah. people who welcomed you? In Why? a church. It's not like he just went to a random like yeah. street to where you don't expect Why? people to be armed. He went into a church. Dylan, like, if if you really wanted to change stuff, why didn't you go into the ghetto? Because he's a fucking pussy. Why didn't you go into the ghetto with the pussy. drug dealers? Why didn't You're you? You're a You're not, you say, quote, I am not in the position to. Why? You have a car. You can drive to those ghetto streets with the drug dealers. And shoot him there. Why didn't you? It's because you're a fucking pussy. That's why. You wanted to walk into a church where people weren't going to shoot you back. But not only that, but they were like literally the people that were there, most of them were over 50 years old. But I'm they saying like all... he didn't go into the ghetto because no, I he would have gotten saying. shot. And he's scared. You're right. Yeah. You're not wrong at all. The hint tonight was bowl cut. It's a very good hint.
there is, unfortunately, in today's world, there is something called the bowl cut movement. The bowl cut movement? Yes. Dylan Roof is actually a martyr for some of these people. In fact, in fact, some of these white supremacists, neo-Nazi, not even skinheads anymore, bowl cut heads. What? They actually have podcasts. And I'm going to shout one of the podcasts out that's on Google Play. It's not on iTunes, but you can get it removed because it's full of hate speech and it's full of praising Dylan Rue for walking into that church. And it should not be on Google Play. It should not be there. And it is. And they probably don't know about it, but they need to take it off. So we're going to get to that. But this article is entitled The, quote, Bowl Patrol. Bowl Patrol. Bowl Patrol. <laughs> Shit. 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 If you know what that is from, please comment on the Facebook. Do it again, Nicole. Shit. 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 Think I'm going to be the scapegoat for the whole damn machine? Shit. Clarence is going to... The Bowl Patrol. Dylan Roof fans hope to inspire more mass shootings. Ugh, that's disgusting. Roof has now become a martyr-like symbol for the more hardcore neo-Nazi elements of the alt-right. Memes and jokes celebrating and uplifting Roof, often referencing his bowl, his haircut. Looks like he put a, <laughs> a salad bowl on his head and cut Literally. around it. <laughs> anyway. Um, but you never had one as I, a kid. Fuck no. Your bowl cutter? You I shouldn't? mean, Jen did, so. <laughs> my cousin Megan did, and I thought it was Jen. like, she was so cool because she was such a tomboy. Oh, my God, dude. Me. If you um, thought it was cool, you would have loved me. Yeah. Like I, want, like I said, I wanted to be Sporty Spice, but I really wasn't Sporty Spice. Oh, we got to finish this. I was posh. We got to finish this. We've been doing it for two I accept hour, it now. Two and a half hour. One particular subset of the alt-right that promotes Dylan Roof imagery is the Bowl Patrol, an informal crew of neo-Nazi agitators who convene in online chats and sometimes record podcasts. And I'm going <gasps> to show you which ones they are. That's so it's, it's like the people that they hide behind their screens and their microphones. Yes, There's some young sure douchebag do. who actually coined the term alt-right and... That is like a white supremacist. This is one of thing. the pictures that have come up about Dean on the roof. You it see looks the, like a penis. It does. You see the bowl haircut? It's a very phallic symbol. So they have, yeah, exactly. That is why he's a martyr because the bowl It's a phallic cut. symbol? Yeah, we said it's a means. penis. Penis. It oh, looks like a penis. No, it's not a penis symbol. That but looks I'm like a penis. The reason Dean But anything roof, that you go to see, skyscrapers, uh, where. Where was I? I was somewhere. I think I was in Normandy and there was like a monument for which we just hit the 75th anniversary for D-Day. Yeah. But the symbol, like they're all like skyscraper point, you know, things. And it's a phallus. It's a symbol of a Because just like we on live the little mermaid cover. They're like the trident. We yeah. live in a man's world. No, okay, the, women but, as but other. But everything is a symbol of a fucking penis. Women as other. This is a masculine society. Women are as Down other. To the patriarchy. The Bow Patrol has created its own language of roof references, such as, quote, disrespect the bowl, pay the toll. Ew, gross. Oh, fucking ass. And I hate toll roads. It reminds me of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. 
Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> if you want to get in this little boy's in hole, the hole. Pay the, she wants you got to pay the, the, toll, the toll troll if you want to get in this boy's hole. <laughs> okay, and also they use one that I fucking hate. Take him to church. Oh, no. Take me to church. Worship like a dog at the shrine of your lives. The self-described founder of Bull Patrol goes by an alias, of course, because he's a fucking little pussy and he can't use his real name. You're a pussy. Vic Mackey, a name taken from a fictional corrupt police officer who is the main character of a TV show, The Shield. Hey, guys, guess what? My name is John Perry. That's my real name. I don't have to hide behind an alias. You're a pussy. Um, various Discord comments by Vic Mackey claim that he has a degree in finance and lives in California. Now, there are organizations out there that are doing their best to bring these people out into public. This is someone getting exposed for being part of the Bowl Patrol. This is from the Philly Antifa. Now, the Philly Antifa from their Facebook page is a group that exposes and resists white nationalists, misogynistic, Islamophobic, and homophobic organizations. So they are doing a great job, and they actually brought this guy out from his alias online. You're big and bad online, but now who are you? You're this guy, and his real name is Mark Daniel Reardon. He was exposed. He is a neo-Nazi and his picture's there. So thank God for people that do that. Do the research. Try to get these people out in the spotlight. They want to use fucking aliases? That's fine. We can we can find out who the fuck you are. There is a podcast out there called the Southern AF Podcast. Huh. Oh, it is not on iTunes, really? but it is by this guy, Vic Mackey, the guy that's creating the Bull Patrol. It is extremely racist. For instance... Quote, whose tree have your spooks hung on under? Oh, my God. It's part of the featured bowl cast episode two. Is he still producing episodes? Yes, I want everyone to go there. The last one that he uploaded on Player FM was an hour ago called the Pro-Right. It's a PDF file. So it's the Southern AF podcast. I'm putting a link up there. It does not need to be on there. This is this is hate. Google owns Player FM. They do not know about it, apparently, but it needs to be reported. But anyway, this is one of the themes that they use for the Bowl Patrol podcast. You woke up this morning, cut yourself a bowl. Mom always said you'd make spooks. It's a Sopranos theme. But it's about the Dylan Roof shooting in the church. This is from the Bullcast, the podcast that is still on the air that they just posted an hour ago as us recording this. You have dead coons in your eyes. That's what the lyric said. Oh my god. Woke up this morning, 88 rounds in your gun. I don't want to listen to this anymore. Can you believe these monkeys shine? Born wearing a bowl cut, nine dead coons in your eyes. 
nine dead, dead coons. coons in your eyes. Oh, I can't. I, this is yeah, I can't either. It makes me sick. I can't listen to but this. Can we please stop listening? The Bullcast is on Google Play and all the other podcast apps out there besides iTunes. Let's get it off the air, guys. And Vic Mackey, whatever your name is, I know you don't want to use your real name. I'd love to punch you right in the mouth. Yeah. I'd like to punch you right in the dick. Yeah. And I'll kick his balls after you punch him. So there are copycats now for the Dylan Roof Massacre. Benjamin Thomas is one of them. Benjamin Thomas Samuel McDowell is one of them, is charged with felon in possession of a firearm or ammunition, according to court documents. McDowell indicated on January 6th he was looking for a gun, the feds say, and met an undercover FBI agent, thank God, about a week later at an unidentified hotel in Myrtle Beach. Court documents said that McDowell connected with white supremacist groups while serving earlier prison sentences, and he told the agent he didn't want to go back to jail. McDowell indicated he sought a way to conduct an attack on non-whites without getting caught. He says, quote, I just... I just be plotting it out. Like, I mean, you just run up there on them if they back their partying and all with a fucking AK and rip them some bitches down and throw a damn something at them. Is that even English? That's what, that's the exact quote. The feds alleged McDowell bought a 40 caliber Glock and hollow point ammunitions from an undercover agent. You saw a picture of Dylan Roof, and he also talks about it in the interview about the number 1488. I was really curious about what that mm-hmm. meant. So I looked it up. Scripture? Uh, kind of, yeah. It is actually a reference to the 14-word slogan Quote, this is the 14-word slogan, we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. We must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children in 88 stands for Hitler. There's also another less commonly used one, quote, because the beauty of the white Aryan woman must not perish from the earth. Okay. Now, this was actually brought into existence resembling a a passage from the Mein Kampf book from Adolf Hitler, which in, in the interview, Dylan Roof says, yeah, I like Hitler. I think he did great things, something like that. I don't understand why he said that. But So would you consider yourself a neo-Nazi then? No, because you no. Know, I think to be considered a neo-Nazi, you got to be part of a real movement or something, you see. Do you disagree with what Hitler did? Do you support Adolf Hitler? Because you're saying Hail Hitler in that statement there. Uh, No, I support Hitler. This is what the actual passage from Mein Kampf said. What we must fight for is to safeguard the existence and reproduction of our race and our people. The sustenance of our children and the purity of our blood, the freedom and independence of the fatherland, so that our people may mature for the fulfillment of the mission allotted it by the creator of the universe. Every thought and every idea, every doctrine and all knowledge must serve this purpose and everything must be examined from this point of view and used or rejected according to its utility. That's volume one, chapter eight of Mein Kampf. That's Hitler. Hitler's doctrine. He wrote it while he was in prison, 
before he became the Nazi commander leader, and it it means basically my struggle. That's what Mein Kampf means, if you're wondering. I found a really good TED Talk about a white supremacist that basically started the movement way back in the day. His parents are from Italy. He was radicalized by the first American neo-Nazi skinhead. He now owns the movement Life After Hate, which is a nonprofit movement to reform skinheads, basically. This is very relevant because this is what Dylan Roof went through, obviously, but he didn't have the proper guidance to get him to stop thinking the wrong things. He saw the world through a very diluted lens that was not based in reality. And 25 years ago, I wrote and performed racist music that found its way to the internet decades later and partially inspired a young white nationalist to walk into a sacred Charleston, South Carolina church and senselessly massacre nine innocent people. When he was growing up and being radicalized 25 years ago, he wrote all this hate music, Nazi, I mean, not punk oh, rock, but just it inspired him. Yeah. So the thing I put on my notes is things you do today could have impacts decades later. Now, he is not a neo-Nazi today. In fact, he owns Life After Hate because he knows how disgusting it is. That is why, I mean, you grow up and you realize what you've been doing. This guy, Christian, on this TED Talk, actually owned a record store. Now, 75% of the revenue came in from white supremacy hate music that people could not get anywhere. Keep in mind, this is old records and vinyls and stuff. People would come from all over the country to buy this hate music. And this is when he finally realized, being an owner of the store, that he had to give up that hate music and lose everything because he knew it was right. It's a very powerful story. And one day, a young black teen came in, and he was visibly upset. And I decided to ask him what was wrong. And he told me that his mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer. And suddenly this young black teenager who I'd never had a meaningful conversation or or interaction with, I was able to connect with because my own mother had been diagnosed with breast cancer and I could feel his pain. On another occasion, a gay couple came in with their son and it was undeniable to me that they loved their son in the same profound ways that I loved mine. And suddenly, I couldn't rationalize or justify the prejudice that I had in my head. I decided to pull the white power music from the inventory when I became too embarrassed to sell it in front of my new friends. Too embarrassed to sell it. And of course, the store couldn't sustain itself, so I had to close it. At that same time, I lost nearly everything in my life. I used it as an opportunity to walk away from the movement that I'd been a part of for eight years. In the TED Talk, he talks about the reason how he became radicalized. He's young. He has no identity. He sees the world differently. He's trying to impress people. He, he needs to fit in somewhere. 
and the movement appealed to him. But I mean, just like Dylan Roof being young, even today, Dylan Roof at what, 23, 24, still says he has no remorse and everything. But I guarantee you, time will change his mindset. I mean, he'll be in, he'll be, well, he'll be executed by then. But I'm saying there comes a time where you grow up. Dylan Roof is currently. On death row right now. In Indiana? Yeah, in Indiana. This is from... um, Hmm. This is from WTVR. Convicted mass murderer Dylan Roof told a psychologist working for his defense team that his death penalty wouldn't be carried out because he'd, quote, be rescued by white nationalists after Mm. they took over the government. False. I don't know about that, man. Um, The report also says Dylan Roof was diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder based on the presence of social communication challenges and atypical behaviors and, quote, psychiatric symptoms that are not explained by autism spectrum disorder, including anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, obsessive compulsive syndrome, disordered thinking, and psychosis including delusions of grandeur and somatic delusions. Um, so he is currently on death row, and he's, he does not have any remorse for what he did, and he is thinking that the white nationalists and the Bowl Patrol, which they have a podcast, and God forbid it stays on very much longer. But And that's basically all I have about this incident. I really, really was interested in this because it's so close to home and because I was really interested in how someone would become radicalized like that. I'm putting all the videos on there, like the TED Talks and stuff, so you guys can watch those. Mm. Oh, well, thank you, John, for your research on that um, event, and thank you guys for listening to Talk Murder to Me. All right, guys, if you've enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you really like this episode, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our stalker, go to talkmurder.com slash join. Become a Talko Supremo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you may do. I'll research it, dedicate it to you. Every Thursday, Talk Murder Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, love each other. Charleston Strong. Future John! Future John! I know you're going to cut that, but I just want to make sure I yell it into the mic so that when you see something loud, you're like, what is this? And you can be like, oh, what am I supposed to cut? No, because you have your own track, so usually when I see you talking, I kind of just get past it a little bit. Just go ahead and cut that whole thing. Babe? If, if you don't I know move, he's not kidding, and that kind of makes him I'm going to use but... this to go potty. Bullshit. You better use it to turn that light off because Jen keeps forgetting to turn that hallway light off and you know that fucking drives me crazy. Uh, when we're done recording... IHOP. No. no. We have... Grilled chicken. Grilled chick- chicken to make. We're being healthy. You yeah. just said you want them to it's be healthy. It's raining out there. You want me to get on that grill? It's not raining. It's not raining. like a dog. I just want to comment that this black cherry... cherry this black cherry truly tastes like an adult juicy juice. If you don't know what adult, what this is delicious, it tastes like Capri Sun.
So now we're drinking some hard cider. No, it's seltzer. Hard seltzer. Oh, delicious. Doesn't it taste like a juicy juice? does. I love this. I'm in the mood tonight. We're all buzzed. All right. Let's get on with this. 